This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org. Welcome to the Richard Blackaby Leadership Podcast, where we help take your leadership to the next level. My name is Sam, and I'm your host. And joining me across the desk, as always, is the one and only the Doctor Richard Blackaby, the one for whom there is oh, no, no other. Sit down, sit down, Sam. Yeah. You don't don't need no. to rise. Okay, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry I, I forgot we discussed that. <laughs> I've already respected you enough, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> enough for a lifetime, anyway. So we'll uh, we'll leave it at that. Just yeah, let's leave it there, Sam. Some guy in well. his sixties uh, now. <laughs> well, uh, with all the disrespect out of the way. Um, we uh, we like to do this uh, from time to time, and I think it's been quite a few episodes since we've done a leadership book review, um, or just a book review, and uh, this one's maybe a little bit different, perhaps not um, what one would think of as a leadership book. You know, we've done some of the some of the classic leadership books um, in podcast past, uh, but why don't you maybe start, Richard, by telling us. Uh, why why would we talk about this book uh what book it is we're talking about and also why uh it would come up on a leadership podcast yeah well a lot of people are familiar with um very uh, influential popular writer of the of recent days uh, jordan b peterson uh who wrote uh, book 12 rules for life uh, yeah. and uh, an antidote to chaos and uh and he's written a, a a sequel book called uh, 12 more rules for life and uh, beyond order and uh, of course if you're familiar with peterson he's kind of an enigma in some ways he grew up in fairview alberta and i've been in fairview alberta and it's, it's right at the end of the of the beaten path in uh, northern canada and he ends up as a professor uh in harvard and and university of toronto and he's uh uh, a brilliant mind. He's uh, a Freudian, a Jungian uh, psychologist. Mm-hmm. I, 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 he's certainly on a search for God. I don't know that I'd call him a born again believer, but um, but very much uh, searching for God, uh, very honestly, openly, and so I don't necessarily agree with everything he says. He's uh, an evolutionist um, in a way I would I would not be, uh, but. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, he's he's written a very influential book. His first book was very very popular, uh, sold millions of copies, and his second book follows along that line. And he and he's somewhat esoteric in places. He's so heady, he's so so academic and brainy that uh, you, you kind of have to read him slowly. Uh, but uh, but he has some real practical common sense as well. And so what I thought we might do today, Sam, is just look at one of his rules and unpack it. And perhaps uh, in you know f- uh, future episodes, we might dig back down into another one. But uh, but I, I there there were several in this one, uh, this book that I I liked, and it, certainly he makes you think. You need to kind of have had some coffee first and be wide awake before you try yeah. digging into this. But certainly, and it's about four hundred or so pages, so it's a, you know, it's a thick tome each time. But uh, but I thought I would just look at one of his rules, and, and particularly today, just look at Rule Four. And Rule Four, uh, it says this: Notice that opportunity lurks where responsibility has been abdicated. 
And of course, he's trying to give just some practical advice. It's interesting because he's so brilliant that as he tries to give practical advice, you have to be, you know, read him carefully. But if you kind of. <laughs> yeah, you just end up in this uh, place. It's just like, whoa, where, how did we yeah. get here? <laughs> so I haven't used this many brain cells in a while before, but. Didn't know I had that many brain cells to use. <laughs> but he, he, he says some interesting things. And, and basically, I think if you kind of boil down his this primary point, he's saying that um, the world is oftentimes um, uh, impacted greatly, either by people that acted responsibly, they rose up and they took ownership and they acted wisely and they made a positive difference, or... Uh, the world is impacted by people that have abdicated responsibility and not done what they should have done or what they were paid to do, what people elected them to do. Mm-hmm. And because they haven't done what they should, now people suffer. There's a there's a lack in society. And so, of course, when you... And, and I don't think any of us has to rack our brains to think of things that... Uh, because people just did shoddy workmanship, uh, they haven't done what they should, that... Uh, uh, others are paying the price now, and so, uh, and so he he says several things that are interesting, and he says a couple things actually in this chapter that have made him somewhat notorious. Uh, and so let me just read a couple of statements he makes, and then yeah. maybe a- apply that uh, to leadership. Uh, and he and he says one thing he says is what is left undone is often risky, difficult, and necessary. Of course, one of the reasons work isn't done is because it's hard. And so people yeah. just don't want to pay the sweat equity, pay the price, suffer the pain to get it done. Um, and yet some of those things uh, are important to be done. And so uh, and, and what one of the things he says is just, uh, you know, if, if you want to make yourself uh, indispensable, he says, um, then find something that, that needs to be done that isn't being done. And, and and address those issues, um, and 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 I like that uh, that approach where because yeah. you can do some things that aren't being done, but it doesn't matter. There's a reason it's not being done because it doesn't yeah. matter. And then then there's other things that really would make a difference, and if you can find those things and choose to to roll up your sleeves and get it done, even if it's not necessarily your job, uh, you will very quickly make yourself indispensable to your company, to your church, to your society. And so uh, he, a couple of the quotes he says, uh, yeah, he, d- the way he says it is, if you want to become invaluable in a workplace, in any community, just do the useful things no one else is doing. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's, I tell you, you can sure tell the difference between uh, people that have that attitude, uh, that wherever they're going. And I literally sometimes you could see someone just walking through like a, a Walmart parking lot and they see a piece of garbage lying on the ground and they just instinctively pick it up and just dump it in the garbage bin as they're walking in the door. And you think, well, they're just a customer. Like, they're not paid to do that. Why would they bother to do something so trivial? There must be someone who's, whose job it is to keep the garbage from collecting on the yeah. Walmart parking lot. Um, but if you have that mentality in something as small as that, uh, it's going to make a difference. And if you work at a, at a company and you see something that's not done, instead of just walking on by and saying, well, that's not my job, uh, or complaining about people that don't ever get to do a proper job, if you lean your shoulder into that and get it done, 
uh, after a while, you, you become the kind of person that everybody wants to have around because yeah. you, you make a positive difference. Um, and he says, w- one thing that's in- interesting, and this is really his controversial thing, he says, it appears that the meaning that most sustains life is to be found in the adoption of responsibility. And of course, yeah. this, it, amazingly, this has been um, like, like a, a significant contribution by Peterson. He says that, uh, and he's traveled the world uh, giving hundreds and hundreds of sold-out lectures all around North America and around the world. And he, I've heard him say that if he wants everything to go absolutely silent, like you could hear a pin drop, just talk about the secret to uh, meaning and fulfillment, even joy in life, is being responsible, taking responsibility. Uh, and of course, in our society, that's oftentimes we do just the opposite. Yeah. Instead of taking responsibility for my position in life, we blame people for why I'm in this condition. Yeah. I don't have any money, but let me blame people for discriminating against me or uh, my former boss you know, mistreating me somehow, firing me unjustly, instead of saying, maybe I just need to buckle down and work harder and get more education and do a better job at my next, my next place of employment. And so he says, and again, it doesn't mean, and he, and he will be quick to clarify to say, it doesn't mean that there can't be all kinds of bad management or you know, racism or all kinds of things that are going on, but you, you, that's, that may be beyond your ability to change that in your society. But of course, you do have control over yourself, and you can spend your whole life complaining about you know, how, hard, how unfair life was, or you can tar- start taking responsibility for what you do have control over and make sure that at least you run that well. And he says, you know, not everybody is responsible for leading dozens of employees, but, uh, but we all get to be responsible for at least one person being ourself. Yeah. And how do, how do we do that? So he's, it, it, he says, uh, people need meaning, but problems also need solving. And so he says, it's sort of a dovetails there because we find meaning in in taking on responsibility and making a difference making a contribution but he says fortunately there's a lot of things that need to be done too so uh so we can make society better while we're also finding purpose for our own life Uh, he says the ultimate question of man is not who we are but who we could be uh and uh he, he said that there's a People experience positive emotion in relationship to the pursuit of a, of a valuable goal. So he says, find a goal, find something that's worth doing, and then do it uh, with all your heart. Uh, you can't do everything. You can't solve all the world's problems. You can't solve maybe some of the, the world's biggest problems, but, but find something that you can do, something that's within your realm of ability, and, and, and then take it on. Um, and he says, uh, what, just one or two other things. He says, but what makes you so sure you do not want something heavy to carry? You positively need to be occupied with something weighty, deep, profound, and difficult. Now, this, mm-hmm. is, a, this is a trained clinical psychologist saying um, every person needs to have some weighty, deep calling, uh, responsibility, task, 
something that you can really lean into. That something something that's not easy. If it was easy, there probably would be other people doing it. Yeah. Uh, but find something that's difficult that others have passed by and said it's too hard, and but something that would would benefit others if it were done, and then lean into that and say that's something I that's worth investing my life in and. I was talking to uh, a very successful business person not too long ago, and they're past retirement age. And so uh, they had a lot of friends saying, hey, you know, you should just be living the easy life at this point. You've got plenty of money. You don't need to make any more. And interestingly, what this guy was doing was he, he was he was making as much, you know, maybe more money than he ever had, but he was at this point in his life was giving it away. Uh, investing it in various ministries and undertakings that he believed in. And so the, the, the longer he worked, the more blessing he could be to others. Mm-hmm. And so he said, he said to me, he said, well, this is what everyone's telling me to do, to, to, to quit and just golf and relax and travel and just take it easy. But he said, you know, most of his friends that he knew that had done that, he said that a lot of them had died within a year of retirement. He said, as soon as they lost their meaning, their purpose, their reason yeah. for living, people, God didn't put people on the planet just to sit in a hammock and uh, just enjoy the easy life. Uh, God gave people a purpose. Of course, even Adam and Eve had the task of caring for a garden. So, um, so it, what's interesting for me is uh, to say, well, what if every American, what every, every person, were going about uh, keeping their eyes open to stuff that could be done, problems that could be solved, things that could be made better, and and just and, and instead of complaining about uh, those slackers that don't do what they're supposed to do, what if you were to take that on and just make it better? Um, and what would your career look like? What would your life look like? What would your uh, happiness level look like? if that's how you invested your life. And, and I think there's some interesting examples in history of, of that. I think you, when you look at Presidents Buchanan and then President um, uh, Lincoln, who came right after him, a lot of people suggest that Lincoln may have been America's best president. Of course, yeah. led it through certainly the most tumultuous, divisive time in its history, uh, addressed probably its, its worst most difficult, insidious problem of slavery. Um, but the president right before him, James Buchanan, was uh, much more skilled as a politician, at least his track record suggested that, much more experienced, much more successful, uh, very respected. And, of course, he faced all the same problems because he led right before Lincoln did. Yeah. He basically set the table for Lincoln, but... Uh, but he refused to address the problem. In fact, in some ways, he, he facilitated the problem. Um, and Lincoln had to undo things that Buchanan was doing that just made the problem worse. Yeah. Um, and so basically, Buchanan abdicated responsibility. He knew full well what the, the chief problem was facing America, and he just thought, I'm not taking that on. That's, I, I'm not facing that. And to Lincoln's credit, you can criticize him for maybe how he led in some ways or decisions he made. I mean, you can second guess him if you want to. But one thing you can't say is that he just ducked his head and looked the other way and refused to get involved. 
he waded into the most difficult, devastating problem in American history and, uh, and took it on, took responsibility for it. Someone had to do that, and he decided that it would be him. And even during World War, uh, World War during the Civil War, um, there were some examples even with the Union Army. Uh, General McClellan, of course, was celebrated as this brilliant war leader. He was kind of, he, a nickname, I think, was even Little Napoleon. But the problem was that he was reluctant to fight. He always felt he needed more men, always felt like he didn't have enough supplies. No matter, he was the best supplied army in America, uh, had the biggest army, but always felt it wasn't enough. He needed more. And he refused uh, to do even what the president wanted him to do. Uh, and ultimately, the president fired him, just, just said, I, you know, I, I need someone just to get the job done, not to keep preparing to get the job done, not someone talking about the problem, but actually fighting, actually taking <laughs> on the enemy. And so he hired uh, General Ulysses Grant, ultimately, to take uh, over. And he was a man that probably not as polished, certainly, and, and educated, as sophisticated, in some ways, just like a, a relentless bulldog. But he he knew what the issue was, and he tackled it head on. Might might have been more sophisticated ways of doing it, but he tackled the problem. And so he became a darling of Lincoln because Lincoln had been looking for years to find someone who would just address the problem. And and so in history, sometimes what you find is, of course, if Grant had not been that kind of person, if, if there had not been people just abdicating responsibility along the way, uh, Grant probably would never have even had his opportunity. But uh, and so oftentimes, because someone else has abdicated responsibility, it means that you you have the chance now, you have an opportunity you wouldn't have had otherwise. Uh, you, you, now you can shine because you can address things that others haven't done. And uh, and so I, I look at that and and just say, you know, there are always those that will, will sit comfortably in the critic's chair and just criticize what others are doing. But that never actually solves the problem either. Yeah. Uh, you've got to be someone who says, well, what could I do that would make a difference? And so we might just wrap that up um, uh, after the break. Sounds like a good idea. Hello, I'm Richard Blackaby, and I'm president of Blackaby Ministries International. On behalf of my parents and the whole Blackaby team, I want to just thank you for your friendship, your support, your prayers for our ministry. These have been challenging times, and uh, there's been all kinds of difficulties and uh, challenges and hurdles to overcome that um, churches and individuals and ministries have never had to face before. But I'm reminded of what Paul said in Philippians, where he said, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And that's certainly my heart as well to thank you for your partnership with us. And I wanted just to let you know, especially as we come to the end of this year, that uh, a wonderful uh, friend of our ministry just believes so much in what God is doing that he has offered a $100,000 matching gift uh, to our ministry, which means that anyone who gives uh, a donation to our ministry from this point onward through the end of the year, he'll match it up to $100,000. So if you were thinking of giving us $100,000, this is the time to do it because it will be completely doubled by this wonderful donor. 
But seriously, we just want to encourage you that if the Lord has placed us on your heart, this is a great time to do that because it will release the matching amount of money. And uh, we just have a conviction here at Blackaby Ministries that uh, God is doing some amazing things right now. Everywhere I go and speak, there just seems to be a hunger and a great response. And so we are looking forward uh, to the year ahead and what God will do. And if you can help uh, in matching this very special gift, it will enable us to be fully prepared to respond to everything God will ask us to do. So thank you for all that you've done. And we look forward to serving with you, partnering with you in the year ahead. Well, it's, uh, it's no surprise that uh, even before the fall, um, man and, and woman were created to work. And there's something, I think, uh, very uh, basic in humanity about work and the value of work and and really the fulfillment that that brings to an individual and, and the lack, having the lack of it is brings the opposite. And, you know, you, you sort of, you, you get rudderless and, and hopeless and you can be uh, driven to despair, I think, even. And uh, maybe just in the last few uh, moments we have, uh, wh- what are some other nuggets maybe that you've pulled out of um, this rule number four of Jordan Peterson's? Uh, yeah, let me just read a couple more just odds and end quotes from this chapter, uh, maybe just to spark some of our listeners' own thinking. He says, in my dual role as clinical psychologist and professor, I have coached many people in the development of their careers. Sometimes those I'm co- coaching consult me because their co-workers, subordinates, or bosses will not do their jobs properly. How many people, that's our, <laughs> our greatest frustration, are, are dealing with people that won't, just won't do their job. Uh, They are supervised by working alongside or managing people who are narcissistic, incompetent, malevolent, or tyrannical. Such things happen and must be dealt with in whatever reasonable manner will bring them to a halt. I do not encourage people to martyr themselves. He says, but you, you might then ask yourself, what would happen if I took responsibility for doing them? It is a daunting question. What is left undone is often risky, difficult, and necessary, which we mentioned earlier. Uh, and let me just uh, pick up a couple other, Just I'm going to just read a couple of quotes here. Uh, you, he said, uh, what, what if you began to build yourself into a person who, who could? You could start by trying to solve a small problem, something that is bothering you, that you think you could fix. You could start by confronting a dragon of just the size that you are likely to defeat. A tiny serpent might not have the time to hoard a lot of gold, but there might still be some treasure to be won. So, um, uh, mm. so he's, he, he had given the illustration of a, a, a fierce dragon that's, that's, uh, hoarding all the treasure, like in, uh, the, the Lord of the Rings yeah, the and, Hobbit. uh, and, and to say, uh, you know, you, you may not try to take on the, the, the king of all dragons to begin with the bigger, the dragon, the more the treasure there is. But he says, you know, start off with a smaller dragon. They may not have as much treasure to be won, but at least you you get the treasure, yeah, and you you have a, at least a small win. And you're and, building that that muscle, that muscle of responsibility, and uh, you know you don't just take on the biggest responsibility right out of the gate. Yeah, you know, especially if you haven't done much before, um, just starting out, and you know, just like with uh, exercise, you don't you don't run a marathon first thing. Um, so yeah. Yeah, it says, uh, by taking responsibility, we can find a meaningful path, improve our personal lot psychologically, 
and make what is intolerably wrong genuinely better. Thus, we can have our cake and eat it too. Um, and so and there's nothing like having a cake and not being able to <laughs> eat it. I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, he says, people are more commonly upset by what they did not, uh, they did not even try to do than by the errors they actively committed while engaging with the world. So mm. he's saying, and, and I think certainly again, as a psychologist, it's interesting because you would think that he would say what really troubles people are the sins they've committed, the, you know, the, the things that they feel guilty about. But he says, oftentimes what people feel the most guilty about is what they didn't do. Uh, they, you know, and, and that can mean a lot of things. That could mean people that hated their job, but didn't have the courage to quit it and find something else. Yeah. And, uh, and, and now years later, they're thinking, ah, if I just quit back then and made the leap, I probably could have ended up doing this and loving what I did, but I didn't have the courage. And so he says, if you, if you are in this place where you, you have this sense of discontent and maybe you're paying the price for other people's uh, abdication of responsibility. Um, the, it's better to try to take on something than to just do nothing and complain. And yeah. then years later have to wonder what might've been. Uh, I know my dad always said that that question, what might've been is, was the one that he thought might trouble him the most. Of course, he, he is a guy who, went to spectacular heights but even even then you kind of wonder but where did i lack faith yeah where did i sit back when i should have stepped up um and so uh and so he he has a number of things he he talks about peter pan as someone that just doesn't want to take on responsibility doesn't want to grow up yeah and he has kind of, he, he he it's interesting if you've read any of peterson he examines various myths and stories and and finds the nugget in it that contains a lot of universal wisdom and basically says, you know, Peter Pan's sort of model really in a sense is Captain Hook, who's also not willing to grow up and take responsibility. And uh, whereas Wendy, the girl decides to to trade in losing her, you know, everlasting youth, uh, basically uh, taking on humanity in the sense of, of aging but at the same time, she gets to live real life, like gets to grow up and yeah. have a family and experience all the different stages of life. Well, it's such a sad, I mean, just a horribly sad story when you think about it with Peter Pan and, and he gets to see um, sort of the result of his of his decision not to grow up uh, in, in Wendy. And it's just like, man, yeah. the, the life <laughs> that you forfeit yeah, just to, to, to play around and not take on responsibility. Yeah. She, uh, Peterson says she, uh, Wendy, she consciously chooses to sacrifice her childhood for the realities of adulthood, but gains real life in return. Peter remains a child, magical to be sure, but still a child. A life limited, finite, and unique passes him uh, by. Uh, and so he, he always has some interesting insights into some of that. He says, uh, you must sacrifice something of your manifold potential in exchange for something real in life. Aim at something, he says. All the suffering of life with none of the meaning, is there a better description of hell? So he, he just says, you, everybody needs a purpose. And so, and, and you know, if, if you want to just sit in your recliner and dream of all these awesome things you could do, in one sense, you perhaps have unlimited 
uh, possibilities. The moment it's like if you if you graduate from university and you think, wow, there's so many things I could do. Yeah. I, I could work here. I could work for that company, that company. But at a certain point, you hire on to one company. Now you've just sort of eliminated a lot of other possibilities. Now yeah. you're restricted to working with the possibilities found in one company under one boss. Uh, but you also are experiencing reality. And so you sacrifice, he says, some of your potential. But uh, on the other hand, you get to experience real life and you get to flesh it out. And so some some people are dreamers and they, they love to dream of the possibilities. They never get anything done. Yeah. And others say, well, I can't do everything. I mean, I, I, at some point, I've got to just get into the game and make a difference somewhere with something. And uh, and so he, he, he has some interesting things here. I may just catch just a, uh, one or two other uh, quotes um, uh, he says, like, to, like and, he, and he says, let us begin, uh, let us agree to begin with that you have a minimum moral obligation to take care of yourself. So he says, at least start with yourself, at least take that on. If you can't even take care of yourself well, then maybe you're not in a place to take on other responsibility. Yeah. Um, uh, he says, what is a truly reliable source of, what is truly a reliable source of positive emotions? The answer is that people experience positive emotion in relationship to the pursuit of a valuable goal. And so mm. certainly a question might be for people is what is the goal that your life is pursuing right now? Yeah. What problem are you addressing? Uh, what challenge have you placed upon your shoulders to undertake? And, uh, you know, it's the people sometimes fear hard work or they avoid it uh, like the plague. But the fact is there's something incredibly meaningful and satisfying about accomplishing a difficult task. And yeah. um, and especially if it's a task that others um, refuse to do. And so he says, uh, your life becomes meaningful in, in precise proportion to the depths of the responsibility you are willing to shoulder. That is because you are now genuinely involved in making things better. Uh, and he says, and, and if what you're doing in your day-to-day -day activity is not enough, then you are not aiming at the construction of a proper cathedral. And that is because uh, you are not aiming high enough. And so he's given the example of people that worked on those ancient cathedrals that may, might take two centuries to build. And so it would never yeah. be complete in your lifetime. But uh, And you might be building, laying bricks for a certain wall somewhere, and yet you knew that I'm not just building a wall, I'm building a cathedral that will last for, for the ages. And so he just says, what, you know, what major undertaking are you pursuing? And, and certainly there are jobs you can work at that will earn you a living. Yeah. They won't necessarily fulfill a calling uh, of purpose and meaning, but they'll they'll pay your bills if that's all your your only purpose. Well, I think that's something that's certainly been lost in our culture today. I mean, from everything from the quality of the houses that are built. You know, uh, a lot of builders today will uh -huh. tell you that they're they're just they're just not great quality houses, especially yeah. when you look at you know there's a a place called the Landmark Trust in in uh, the UK, and it just highlights houses throughout the centuries. And there's houses that are still standing from hundreds of years ago mm -hmm. um, that were made from brick or stone or what have you, some of, even of wood. And uh, I think we've lost something in, uh, as a culture that that no longer values those things that are hard won 
you yeah. know, building a home that, that is, that is going to stand the test of time or, or investing in a project that is going to outlast you. And, and rather you, you sort of give that up for some sort of cheap, uh, momentary, uh, copycat of of that yeah and what a what a shame to spend your life on something that was easy yeah uh maybe maybe two last quotes uh uh it says um there are after all things that are crying out to be accomplished you are outraged that what needs to be done is not being done that anger that outrage is however a doorway that observation of abdicated responsibility is the indication of destiny and meaning so as my, in, in, in terms my dad might have used, uh, whenever you see uh, a problem, that, that also is an invitation, uh, perhaps a divine invitation yeah. to say, I've just shown you uh, an area that you can invest your life. And, and you, can, you can spend your whole life complaining about this, or you could say, maybe the fact that I'm the one who noticed it, I'm the one that it seems to bother. Other people just gleefully walk right on by and don't even pay attention, but I can't do that. I keep noticing it. Well, maybe that's because I'm the one that is supposed to make it better. Uh, it bothers me because I'm the one being invited to, to participate in changing that. Uh, and he, he concludes and says, it is not the call to happiness. It is the call to, to the action and adventure that make up a real life. So mm -hmm. uh, it's a very self-absorbed, basically useless sort of existence just trying to pathetically look to be happy all the time and and there are just so many people that will do that they, they'll do the minimum because of work because they just want to be happy and yet our purpose in many ways is to work uh, you don't accomplish great uh, feats if you're not willing to work uh, you don't better yourself without working you don't solve problems without working and so Perhaps somewhere along the line, we've gotten so disoriented to our calling, our purpose, that uh, now we think it's our purpose is to figure out at the earliest age possible where you don't have to work anymore. And, uh, you know, I would say, and I've kind of looked at my life, I'm not knocking on the door of retirement quite yet, but, uh, you know, my, my attitude, at least at this point in my life, is uh, I don't necessarily intend to ever retire if I can help it, if I can continue to contribute. I may not work as hard. I may not have the energy. I might need to start taking naps in the afternoon. But, <laughs> uh, but as long as I can still get up each day and make the world a little bit better, why would I just sit in my hammock all day? Yeah. Uh, why would I have a morning nap and an afternoon nap if I could make the world better somehow? Yeah, well, just knowing that, that we're created to work. We're created to take on that responsibility and... and uh, and that's uh, one of the ways that, that, that brings meaning to a life and uh, a life well lived is one full of responsibility. Yeah. So, well, thank you for uh, taking the time and, and walking us through this. And uh, I'm sure we'll probably revisit uh, yeah. uh, Peterson at some point down the line. But uh, as always, we'll leave links to uh, this book, uh, Beyond Order by Jordan Peterson. And uh, until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, it really makes a difference if you leave a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We always love hearing from our listeners. So email us at podcast at blackme.org.